Three months of radio silence. We are back with an announcement. Um, the Left is Dead is back. We are back with new hosts. Jake obviously uh, died in the nuclear bomb that destroyed Portland, but... And he's brought down the greatest country on Earth, America. He's brought them to our knees, and he is, uh, should be tried for treason. Um, the good news is we have good guests coming up for you. We have a lot coming up for you in the future. We have a journalist from Haiti that will be up by the end of the week. Uh, and then we have some patriots who are going to tell us about socialism coming up after that. Um, there may be some bigger surprise guests in the works, but we'll also have deeper dives. I don't think people want to see documentaries on Hillary Clinton. And, but for right now, I'm just going to ask you to uh, take in this interview from Sputnik and tune back in on Thursday. See if there's something here, because I think there will be. We are back, and you're listening to The Critical Hour on Radio Sputnik. I'm your host, Garland Nixon, with my co-host, Dr. Wilmer Leon. Thank you, Garland. Hungarian politicians are pushing back against the EU's attempt to control their economic and cultural decisions. Also, the U.S. mafia uses the EU for its hegemonic designs and is now stealing their wealth in moves reminiscent of actions against the the global south. Joining us now to discuss these stories and more, we have James Carey. He is the co-host of the podcast, The Left is Dead. James, welcome back to The Critical Hour. Always good to be here. Patrick Lawrence writes, despite the economically disastrous impact the Nord Stream pipeline sabotage will have on Europe, Western media still holds its tongue about it. Kind of telling, don't you think, James Carey? Yeah, I I think that everyone, I mean, everyone on our side of the equation knew what happened the moment it happened, right? Um, the U.S. is still putting out this idea that Russia blew up their own pipeline, of course, when you do hear about it, but the media has been silent here. And I think that we've seen the media go silent over quite a bit of things. Um, the suffering in Europe in general has not been highlighted. Uh, the energy crisis has already caused so many problems for these European governments that, uh, you know, we're not going to add the pipeline on top of it because we actually did that one. You know, we directly did that one. And now it's going to have indirect effects for the next probably a decade or more. Um, but I think we don't want to talk about it because it doesn't look good. It doesn't make any sense, right? It, what sense does it make that Russia blew up their own multi-million dollar investment? None. And uh, the U.S. just wants, um, you know, they want to punish their allies. Well, they want to punish their clients, as everybody in the world is our client in our mind. But, um, yeah, they want to punish their allies to get them back in line, but they don't want they don't want to bring that to the U.S. It's already bad enough we're seeing white refugees on TV as Ukrainians. You don't want to see Germans next, right? And so it's it in this piece, it, any chance that uh, Russian gas transmissions westward will be resumed is off the table. And I, I find that interesting because uh, I, I remember talking with Garland uh, when the report came back that the whole pipeline had not been destroyed and that some gas would be uh, flowing through it. I said, oh, this is the opportunity now for Europe to really put pressure on the United States and for the functioning element of the pipeline to be turned on. And now it seems as though even that's not going to happen. To me, that speaks volumes. Yeah, I think that the fact is that the pipeline isn't going on. You know, we saw Biden kind of basically threaten this happening. Um, And now, you know, the EU is relying on liquid natural gas from us. But I think that, um, you know, 
we don't want to question Russia's motives here because there's no way that Russia had this idea that, oh, our pipelines will be shut off to Western Europe forever. You know, there's no way that they thought this going into Ukraine. I don't think Putin would have done it if that was the case. If he thought he'd never sell gas to Germany again. Um, I think that you're just seeing the U.S. again consolidate. They're cutting these investigations are stopping by, you know, all the governments in the area are saying it's a danger to their own security. Um, you're seeing you're seeing U.S. allies resistant to even touch this subject because they don't want to. I think they don't want to. They don't want to piss off the U.S. And the fact is, they're willing to go and cut themselves off from Russia completely at our behest, which seems foolish to me. I mean, Germany's thrown its weight around in the EU for so long now. You'd think they'd be a little bit stronger at home, but apparently they still can't resist us. And I think, um, you know, hey, this is just I. I it's strange to see the competitors that we built up after World War II, like Germany, uh, actually be crushed back under our boot again, because I didn't think it would be that way. Well, you know, one could argue they need this lesson that, as we say in Zen, a fool who continues in his folly will become wise. Margaret uh, Kimberly has a great article in Black Agenda Report, Europe Under Control of the U.S. Mafia, which, James, it's the perfect name is the perfect title for an article in this circumstance because what we see here is Europe, the the countries of the EU are not members of NATO. They're not partners in NATO. Clearly, they are prisoners of NATO. NATO says do something. If we look at what happened, the people of Germany that were literally holding up signs saying open Nord Stream 2. They were in the streets saying we don't want to freeze. And as soon as that happened, let's be honest, the U.S. blew up the pipeline. You don't blow up the pipeline for your allies, your friends, or your partners. You do it for prisoners. The, the NATO is now is holding the European continent prisoners and using brutality to maintain that status. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is all we have left. I mean, what else are you going to do? We'd already forced these countries to go into multiple wars with us over the past 20 years that they weren't really excited about. Look at the backlash here when the French didn't want to go into Iraq, right? I mean, this is just... The U.S. is it's it's closing in on us. I think that the world economy is closing in with China as a competitor and Russia out there. You know, people didn't expect the ruble to rebound, but it turns out when you when you cut off gas, it, gas actually becomes more expensive. So I don't think people saw things going this way, but the EU states are really learning a lesson. That, that is, you are second to us. Look at, I mean, the U.K. The pound has just fallen in the last month, and that is this is all to inflate our currency. Uh, this is all to continue the U.S. is, you know, prop up the U.S., especially before this election. We're trying to prop up the U.S., make it look like a functioning economy still. And another good way to do that is billions of dollars in arms packages for Ukraine because that helps out the biggest sector of our economy, right? I mean, I think you're just seeing what we've, what we've been saying and what we've seen since 2003 or even before is just the EU is being dragged along by the U.S. And in the end, they don't really have a choice. The fact is the U.K. is in crisis now not even as an EU member state, but as an ally to the U.S. We've sent them into a spiral. The pound is, like I said, the pound is collapsed to keep the dollar up. We have no priorities, and I think it's like anybody on the individual level, when you see your world start to close in, you lash out. And the U.S. is seeing the world start to close in around it, including in Europe, where mass sentiment uh, doesn't want this war. The progressive caucus of the Democratic Party just got fired at by the Democrats today, yesterday and today to retract their letter against the war. So 
They're firing inside their own house because they're so desperate. I think you're seeing that they, there's a U.S. empire. It's desperate. And there's also the Democratic Party that's desperate. And this is a last moment bid to kind of prop this up for, I, I don't know, how long these patches keep lasting. is getting shorter and shorter. And Henry Kissinger said, to be an enemy of America can be dangerous, but to be a friend is fatal. And Sputnik has a piece, EU officials blackmail nations to crush alternate views, Hungarian justice minister says. Leaders and officials of the 27-nation EU are blackmailing entire nations, such as Hungary and Poland, because of their efforts to maintain traditional conservative religious and social values. And all of this, while people in Hungary and Poland are foraging in the woods for sticks to heat their home, for firewood to heat their homes, because they can't get natural gas. Yeah, I think that, that there is a obviously, you know, the EU has these progressive progressive values, social values that they want enforced and they have their idea of western democracy which they want enforced, which you know, if you look at why Viktor Orbán kicks somebody like George Soros out of his country, this is why because they bring these, you know, these uh, organizations that promote this type of stuff and they don't want mass western culture pumped in there they don't want the uh liberal the sort of liberal social values pumped in um i think there's two two cases here hungary is a bit of a resistor whereas uh i think poland kind of got what they wanted with uh they've been bought off for the moment with a because we're fighting with russia uh, you know the eu's been forced to fight with russia which i think poland and the uh, baltic states are a little bit more in favor of than hungary but at the same time, before that, it was there was the criticism that they could not govern themselves as they were. You're seeing all the EU countries. I mean, you've seen it since 2010 with Greece. They've all lost any, you know, remnant of sovereignty, and Germany is back in charge of the continent again. Well, uh, let me ask you this: um, Does it seem to you that we're seeing the early cracks, the early fissures that will end up um, major cracks in the EU, in NATO? Um, this is the, the the beginning of the end for the EU. I personally, this is what I think, but I'm going to throw that out to you. When we start seeing people in the EU saying we don't like this, you're you're using um, you know gangster tactics on us. Um, we want out. I, I don't see as the winter gets worse and as the people suffer and the continent boils over, I don't see how these organizations continue to stay viable. James. Yeah. More people are learning that they're not the power centers, right? I mean, in 2010, we have Greece go bankrupt and Syriza ends up capitulating. Um, later on during the pandemic, we see Italy and the Southern European countries suffer harder under COVID uh, than say Germany or France or whatever. And you're seeing that the, there's a social, there's a kind of racial imperialism within Europe and that obviously has been there forever. I mean, let's not pretend it's a peaceful continent. Um, but I think you're seeing that start to spark back up. But at the same time, the, now these nationalist movements are also allied against, you know, the multinational organizations like NATO and the EU that, uh, again, these are dictates basically written out by corporate interests, right? I mean, that's whether it's arms manufacturers for NATO or corporate interests for EU trade laws and everything like this, um, these powers that be are just, you know, they've held this position for so long, but uh, again, the U.S. is feeling the pinch, so they're going to feel it too. And the more, say, Germany feels the pinch, the harder it's going to hit Italy or Greece or Spain and especially Eastern Europe, which has always been a sort of the Eastern EU countries are an excess labor pool. So they're going to be punished too. It's like us with Mexico, you know, I think they'll be treated the same way and they will want out. I mean, who wouldn't? 
And I think it's going to be the people that are starving in the streets and freezing in their homes that are going to wind up pushing this where the elites are trying to maintain the status quo. Yeah, they, they, they put the Band-Aid on it again, right? This is the same thing with the election of Macron again against the same, same opponent. This is a Band-Aid. You, you have the same conditions that created all these problems to begin with, and you perpetuate them by putting the stop gaps in to try and keep them going just a little longer. And the problems are only going to get worse. The anti-EU sentiment, the anti-NATO sentiment, these are only going to increase the more they continue to do the same exact things that cause the problem. And, uh, you know, I would argue your thoughts on the U.K., in my opinion, what we're seeing now is the result of a political collapse, that the country is, I wouldn't say the country is ungovernable and that the populace is ungovernable, but it is ungovernable in that the current state of the government is so disconnected from the needs of the people that it can't govern the people using the tactics and with the goals that it currently has. James. No, there's no plan. Um, you know, the only thing they have is uh, reheated Blairism, right? I, this is all, they're either going to try austerity. Well, they're just going to try austerity. It's the UK. Um, they're going to try austerity. They're, gonna, they're not going to increase taxes on people who need it. Um, I think that when you have a country like the UK that spends most of its existence as an empire, and then you tear it down to this tiny little island, I think that... Uh, you know, like us being brought back within our borders, it's going to take us a little longer, but I think we'll see something very similar here too. We, it will become ungovernable because the institutions have just been so gutted over the years that they don't work and they were never meant to respond to the popular will. So there's no popular investment in them. You know, there's no popular investment in either party in the UK right now. Uh, the labor is taken back over by Blairites. Um, they can't find somebody who wants to be the prime minister for the conservatives. They got to drag them up and force them to be, you know, Johnson had to say no again. So I, I think that you'll see that here too. I think you see this as a result of some, a country that's used to being an empire cannot provide the spoils of empire anymore. And again, they put in stop gaps for 30 years, but here we are. James Carey is the co-host of the Left is Dead podcast. You've been listening to The Critical Hour here on Radio Sputnik. Thank you for allowing our voices into your space. On behalf of myself and my co-host, Dr. Wilmer Leon, we hope you were informed and enlightened. We look forward to talking. Down the mountain. Down the mountain.